Sections 13 to 14 of How to Sing. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Ruth Golding. How to Sing by Lily Lehman. Translated by Richard Aldrich. Section 13. On Vocal Registers, Vocal Ranges. What is a vocal register? A series of tones, sung in a certain way, which are produced by a certain position of the vocal organs, larynx, tongue, and palate. Every voice includes three registers, chest, middle, and head, but all are not employed in every class of voice. Two of them are often found connected to a certain extent in beginners. The third is usually much weaker, or does not exist at all. Only very rarely is a voice found naturally equalized over its whole compass. Do registers exist by nature? No. It may be said that they are created through long years of speaking in the vocal range that is easiest to the person, or in one adopted by imitation, which then becomes a fixed habit. If this is coupled with a natural and proper working of the muscles of the vocal organs, it may become the accustomed range, strong in comparison with others, and form a register by itself. This fact would naturally be appreciated only by singers. If, on the other hand, the muscles are wrongly employed in speaking, not only the range of voice generally used, but the whole voice as well, may be made to sound badly. So in every voice, one or another range may be stronger or weaker. And this is, in fact, almost always the case, since mankind speaks and sings in the pitch easiest or most accustomed, without giving thought to the proper position of the organs in relation to each other. And people are rarely made to pay attention as children to speaking clearly and in an agreeable voice. In the most fortunate instances, the range thus practised reaches limits on both sides, not so much those of the person's power as those set by his lack of skill or practice. Limitations are put on the voice through taking account only of the easiest and most accustomed thing, without inquiring into the potentialities of the organs or the demands of art. Now, suppose such a peculiarity, which includes, let us say, three or four tones, is extended to six or eight, then, in the course of time, in the worst cases, a break is produced at the outside limits. In the most favourable cases, the tones lying next beyond these limits are conspicuously weak and without power, compared with those previously forced. This one way of singing can be used no farther. Another must be taken up, only, perhaps, to repeat farther the incorrect procedure. Three such limits or ways of singing can be found and used. Chest, middle, and head voice. All three form registers when exaggerated, but they should be shaded off and melt into each other. The organs, through the skilful training of the teacher, as well as by the exercise of the pupil's talent and industry, 
must be accustomed to taking such positions that one register leads into another imperceptibly. In this way, beauty, equality, and increased compass of the voice will be made to enhance its usefulness. When the three vocal ranges are too widely different and too sharply contrasted, they become separate registers. These are everywhere accepted as a matter of course, and for years have been a terror in the teaching of singing that has done more than anything else to create a dreadful bewilderment among singers and teachers. To eradicate it is probably hopeless, yet these registers are nothing more than three disconnected manners of using the vocal and resonating apparatus. With all the bad habits of singers, with all the complete ignorance of cause and effect that prevail, it is not surprising that some pretend to tell us that there are two, three, four, or five registers. It will be much more correct to call every tone of every voice by the name of a new additional register, for in the end, every tone will and must be taken in a different relation, with a different position of the organs, although the difference may be imperceptible, if it is to have its proper place in the whole. People cling to the appellations of chest, middle, and head register, confounding vocal range with register, and making a hopeless confusion from which only united and very powerful forces can succeed in extricating them. As long as the word register is kept in use, the registers will not disappear. And yet the register question must be swept away, to give place to another class of ideas, sounder views on the part of teachers, and a truer conception on the part of singers and pupils. End of section 13 Section 14 Development and Equalization Naturally, a singer can devote more strength to the development of one or two connected ranges of his voice than to a voice perfectly equalized in all its accessible ranges. For this are required many years of the most patient study and observation, often a long continued or entire sacrifice of one or the other limit of a range for the benefit of the adjacent weaker one. Of the head voice especially, which, if unmixed, sounds uneven and thin in comparison with the middle range, until, by means of practised elasticity of the organs, endurance of the throat muscles, muscular tension of the organs in relative position, a positive equalization can take place. Voices which contain only one or two registers are called short voices, for their availability is as limited as they are themselves. Yet it must be remembered that all voices alike, whether short or long, even those of the most skilful singers, when age comes on, are apt to lose their highest ranges if they are not continually practised throughout their entire compass with the subtlest use of the head tones. Thence it is to be concluded that a singer ought always to extend the compass of his voice as far as possible, in order to be certain of possessing the compass that he needs. 
on the formation of the organs depends much of the character of the voice. There are strong, weak, deep, and high voices by nature, but every voice by means of proper study can attain a certain degree of strength, flexibility, and compass. Unfortunately, stubbornness enters largely into this question, and often works in opposition to the teacher. Many, for instance, wish to be altos, either because they are afraid of ruining their voices by working for a higher compass, or because it is easier for them, even if their voices are not altos at all. Nowadays, operas are no longer composed for particular singers and the special characteristics of their voices. Composers and librettists express what they feel, without regard to an alto singer who has no high C, or a soprano who has no low A-flat or G. But the artist will always find what he needs. Registers exist in the voices of almost all singers, but they ought not to be heard, ought not indeed to exist. Everything should be sung with a mixed voice, in such a way that no tone is forced at the expense of any other. To avoid monotony, the singer should have at his disposal a wealth of means of expression in all ranges of his voice. See vowels. Before all else, he should have knowledge of the advantages in the resonance of certain tones, and of their connection with each other. The soul must, with the aid of vowels, provide the colour. Skill and knowledge as to cause and effect, management of the breath, and perfection of the throat formation must give the power to produce every dynamic gradation and detail of expression. Registers are, accordingly, produced when the singer forces a series of tones, generally ascending, upon one and the same resonating point, instead of remembering that in a progression of tones no one tone can be exactly like another, because the position of the organs must be different for each. The palate must remain elastic from the front teeth to its hindmost part, mobile and susceptible, though imperceptibly, to all changes. Very much depends on the continuous harmony of action of the soft palate and nose, which must always be in full evidence the raising and extension of the former producing changes in the tone. If, as often happens when the registers are sharply defined, tones fall into a cul-de-sac, escape into another register is impossible without a jump, which may lead to disaster. With every tone that the singer has to sing, he must always have the feeling that he can go higher and that the attack for different tones must not be forced upon one and the same point. The larynx must not be suddenly pressed down or jerked up, except when this is desired as a special effect, that is, when one wishes to make a transition, legato, from a chest tone to a tone in the middle or head register, as the old Italians used to do, and as I, too, learned to do thus. In this case, the chest tone is attacked very nasal, in order that the connection may remain to the upper note, 
and the larynx is suddenly jerked up to the high tone. This was called breaking the tone. It was very much used, and gave fine effects when it was well done. I use it today, especially in Italian music, where it belongs. It is an exception to the rule for imperceptible or inaudible change of position of the organs, that it should not be made suddenly. The scale proceeds from one semitone to another. Each is different. Each, as you go on, requires greater height. Wherefore, the position of the organs cannot remain the same for several different tones. But as there should never be an abrupt change audible in the way of singing, so should there never be an abrupt change felt in the sensations of the singer's throat. Every tone must be imperceptibly prepared in an elastic channel that is relaxed, placed, and again relaxed, and must produce an easy feeling in the singer, as well as an agreeable impression upon the listener. The small peak indicated in the illustration is enormously extensible, and can be shifted into infinite varieties of position. However unimportant its raising and lowering may appear, they are nevertheless of great importance for the tone and the singer. The focal point of the breath, that forms simultaneously the attack and the body of the tone by the operation of the abdominal breath pressure against the chest, is always firmly placed on, beneath, or behind the nose. Without body, even the finest pianissimo has no significance. The very highest unmixed head tones are an exception, and they can express nothing. There can be no body expected in them. Their soaring quality of sound endures no pressure, and consequently gives no expression, which is possible only through an admixture of palatal and chest resonance, by means of dark vowels. Their only significance is gained through their pure euphony. All vowels, too, must keep their point of resonance uninterruptedly on the palate. All beauty in the art of long, in cantilena as well as in all technique, consists chiefly in uninterrupted connection between the tone and the word, in the flexible connection of the soft palate with the hard, in the continually elastic adjustment of the former to the latter. This means simply the elastic form for the breath. If the singer will control his tone, and in practising he must always do so, he needs only to test it to see whether he can easily make it softer without perceptible change in the position of the organs, and carry it higher toward the nose and the cavities of the forehead. That is, prepare a form for its continuation upward. In this way, he can learn how much height a tone needs without being too high, and how much it often lacks in height and duration to sound high enough. In this way, remarkable faults become evident. The reason why a tone sounds too low, the so-called transition tones from the lower to the middle range, and from this to the higher, come up for consideration chiefly is that the pillars of the fauces are raised too high toward the back. 
preventing the head tones from sounding at the same time. Or the soft palate is lowered too far under the nose, which results in pressing the tone too long and too far toward the teeth. This fault is met with in very many singers in all kinds of voices and in almost the same places. It comes only from an unyielding retention of the same resonating point for several tones, and a failure to bring in the resonance of the head cavities. The propagation form, or continuing form, must always be prepared consciously, for without it, artistic singing is not to be thought of. Footnote Fort Pflanzung's form the preparation made in the vocal organs for taking the next tone before leaving the one under production, so that the succeeding tones shall all be of like character and quality. End of footnote. The neglect of this most important principle usually results in overstraining the vocal cords and throat muscles. This is followed first by singing flat, and later by the appearance of the hideous tremolo, see tremolo, to which so many singers fall victims. The cause of a tone being too sharp is the dwelling too long on the resonance of the head cavities, where the tone should already have been mixed with palatal resonance. With very young voices this can easily happen, and can also result from weariness, when the bodily strength is not developed sufficiently to endure the fatigue of practising. A very circumspect course must then be followed. End of section 14